he abandoned corporate America to embark on a whole new venture in horror podcasting. Please join your host, Ben, and his sister, Adrian, for today's episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. Hello, and welcome back to another exciting edition of Not Your Average Horror Show. And I thought we were done with this, but apparently there's still audio problems that persist. Last week's episode was just a disaster when it came to audio, and that's a shame because it was a fun show to do. I had fun doing it. The movie was shitty, but I do enjoy talking about shitty movies sometimes. And when I got to the point where I'm editing it, I was just uh, very disappointed to see that, yet again, we had a little snafu with the interface. It was not plugged into the computer like it should be, and I do not know why I cannot have this plugged into the computer and do what I need to do. I have to unplug it, plug it back in, and therefore, in all of that maneuvering, it remains unplugged, and then we get a shitty sounding audio like we did last week so it's definitely plugged in this time so we should be back to the quality the high caliber of quality you would expect from this show as far as audio goes at least thank you for bearing with us thank you for still listening so another important thing to comment on is that despite what the intro said your host and his co-host i am sorry to report there is no co-host with me today the co-host actually is in California. This was a trip to L.A. she's taking to visit a friend of hers. And um, believe it or not, she actually forgot all about this trip. I'm not kidding whatsoever. I was sitting there Saturday, and she said she sent me a text saying, uh, I'm going to be over in a little while to do the podcast, get this recorded. So I was like, okay, great. No problem there. About two hours later, I get another text from her. The text reads, sorry. I don't think I'll be able to make it over there tonight. I'm actually going to California tomorrow, and I need to get ready for that. By the way, it's okay to bring the cat over for you to watch, right? I'm looking at this, and I'm reading it 10 times. I am just stunned at what I'm looking at. I don't know about you, but I've never met anyone who just forgot about a 10-day trip especially when you're going as far as that to California. I mean, I'm on the east, we're on the East Coast. Bear that in mind. This is clear across the country, five hours. You just forget. Uh, the other part of this, obviously, is the situation with the cat. Now, she did run this by me, and this was several weeks ago, though. She said that she would need somebody to watch the cat while she's on this trip, um, there was a person that would typically be there for her as far as that cat watching goes, but unfortunately that person was not able to this time. So she had to find somebody else. She asked me if I wanted to. Only problem with that is that my girlfriend, Kate, she's allergic to cats, so that's not good. Um, and we also have about $3,000 worth of new furniture that we'd really rather not have scratched up by this cat and its razor-sharp claws. Um, if you were to ever go to Adrian's apartment and see front and center this leather couch she has, it looks like 15 guys with switchblades attacked this thing and had no mercy on it. It is shredded. There's just like pieces of, there's pieces of leather, leatherette, whatever that shit is it just flakes off because the cat has just mangled it so badly. So that's all I needed to know to like not want any part of this. So there were ways around it. 
Um, we could have kept the cat isolated in one part of the house. I mean, that's something that would have been a major pain in the ass, but I wasn't opposed to doing. Um, the other suggestion that Adrian had was that she could give me this special magic tape where if you put it on your furniture, run it along either the top, bottom, or both of the furniture, and apparently this serves as a cat repellent. Somehow, I don't think it's that easy. I don't think it's that easy just like to put a piece of tape on your furniture and your cat's not going to want to go on it. I don't know. So anyway, what I told her about three weeks ago was that... We have some problems with this. It would not be an easy thing for us. 10 days is a major imposition to ask for somebody who doesn't even have pets in the first place. Um, she then said that there's another friend of hers who she believes could do it. And I said, okay, perfect. Ask that person. I think she had a few other people, a few other options out there that could possibly do this also and that she would check with them and... Hopefully they would do it. She says, okay. And then I said, I probably said something along the lines of, if nothing like that works out, just get back to me and then we'll figure something out from there. So I didn't hear a peep for three weeks. Um, as far as I knew, this was handled. The cat was going somewhere. Somebody was locked in to take care of it. Um, but then to my horror, I get that text saying that, She's on the way over with the cat. I'm like, no, if <laughs> there's, there was three weeks, she could have come back to me and said, hey, I'm not having any luck finding somebody. Can you do this? After some, a brief conversation on the phone, I later got back to her and said, look, how about this? It sounds like she had somebody in her apartment building that can come over and help out with that, feed it pet it, and then leave. Her concern was that the cat's going to be lonely. Okay, I get that. Pet owners do have that kind of tendency. If somebody was able to spend a couple hours there with the cat, then apparently that'd be a solution also. I'm going to be in the city. The city is where she lives. I'm going to be there anyway tomorrow, as a matter of fact. So long story short, I'm going to be traveling to the city three days. I mean, I can do one of the days I'll be there anyway for work, so that's no problem. Um, but otherwise, I just found this all very humorous. It's just all very... I'm not sure which part of this is more unusual. I mean, certainly somebody forgetting about a 10-day trip, that's that's very unusual. But there's probably... I'm sure a lot of us have always been there where somebody has a pet and they've either run this by you or, or maybe surprised you with this last minute. So anyway, I'm by myself today. This is a first for me. This is a solo, not your average horror show. I wasn't sure how I'd be at this. I've never actually just like taken a mic and just come up with things to say to fill up time with. I think it can be done. Hopefully in a manner that will not drive you away. Anyway, so let's get to the movie. Uh, the movie I was looking to do for this week was going to be Blood Beach. 1980 classic. Very, very low-budget movie. And honestly, I did see this once before I was in college. It was around the time I saw New Year's Evil. I rented them both from the same place. I think I might have uh, actually got them right in the same trip, watched them back-to-back. -back. That was not a good movie. Neither one of those are, really. But Blood Beach, it had some pretty high-profile actors. Uh, we had John Saxon. Would it surprise you to know that I'm a John Saxon fan? Enter the Dragon. 
Did you know that John Saxon was originally the first one billed in Enter the Dragon? It was not Bruce Lee. Nobody saw that breakout success of that movie coming or the fanatics that would follow Bruce Lee around the rest of his career. Um, I think they later fixed that. I think they put Bruce Lee on most copies of the movie that you would see and most most posters, but anyway, who cares? John Saxon didn't really do a whole lot of notable movies, but he has been in a shitload of movies. He was in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I watch all the time, so the rest of his films, I don't know. He wasn't necessarily a horror movie actor. He was in a whole array of things. Enter the Dragon, obviously action. I would say mostly action and a I don't know, smattering other stuff too. Uh, Blood Beach also features Burt Young of uh, Rocky fame, Pauly. So you got those two actors in a movie. How could it go wrong? Well, it can go wrong. Anyway, I'm not even sure why I'm talking about this right now because we're not doing Blood Beach. The problem is I pulled up Blood Beach on my database of movies. It was mislabeled. What I got instead was The Beach House, which... I didn't know what to expect with this. When I first started watching it, I thought it actually was Blood Beach. I see this enormous panoramic scene of a beach, probably in California somewhere, which Blood Beach is set in. However, didn't take long to find out that this movie is set in modern day. Modern day, I mean 2019, 2020. And the picture quality was very good. High def, everything looked perfect. Certainly not the grainy quality of the 80s that you would expect from Blood Beach. And then the title comes up on the screen, The Beach House. Now, it didn't take long to figure out that this actually was a horror movie too. Um, I was going to click it off and, and try to resume my search for what I was looking for. However, I found it strangely captivating. There was initially a little bit of doubt. The two main actors, there's a girl and her boyfriend, are featured arriving at this beach house. Uh, the girl's name is Emily. Her boyfriend's name is Randall. Initially, I didn't really find the acting to be very good. They kind of, the two actors I just mentioned, they just walk into the house. It's their getaway. Initially, I didn't know what the deal was, but they're just walking through the house. They seem to like it, but they're in a very trance-like state. They're looking at each other as if this was some kind of 1980s cologne ad like Kelvin Klein. Do you remember how vapid the models were that would be in those commercials? I mean, it was parodied so many different places, but you get the idea, just very dull, blank expression on the face. That's kind of how they're interacting with each other. They just have that, that look, and when they're talking, they barely show any emotion either. And then at one point, they've been in the house for a couple minutes, and he's like, so what do you want to do now? And she just kind of takes his hand and leads him upstairs almost very robotic looking, which is kind of hilarious. And the movie seems like it's set up to be nothing at all very interesting. But then suddenly, we have a scene of Emily sitting on the toilet. Not that that's interesting. It was unexpected, though. A little bit of a shake-up there. And from that point on, the movie just got better and better. She looks into the medicine cabinet and finds a whole bunch of prescription drugs in there. And then, suddenly, it goes from this perfect looking place initially to shots around the house reveal old food still sitting around the place uh there's there's other random stuff around some of the stuff looks rusty i guess it's a little bit deceptive um initially and i guess that's kind of one of the themes in this movie is deception 
So things really seem to par- spark to life when there's a little heated exchange between the two. I, I forgot they were even arguing about, but that's when things also seem to spark up as far as the chemistry between these two. It's much better than I initially thought it was going to be in the beginning. Um, and then their first night there, um, Emily wakes up in the morning. She goes downstairs and the music, I'll just say the, the score in this movie was also very understated, but very effective. It's almost like this, this well-placed rumble. It's like, it's almost like I think in the shining, they did this a little bit. Also, there was parts of the movie that movie did have a great score, but there's parts where it's just very, very quiet for long stretches. And there's just like one single deep sounding instrument playing. It's hard to describe, but it is very effective. So as she's walking down the stairs, she comes around the corner and there's somebody sitting at the kitchen table. Lady with blonde hair with her back facing her. And you don't really have any kind of idea what this movie is setting you up for. Um, So you're not really sure what that lady's deal is. Who is she? Um, Emily scrambles back up the stairs to tell Randall that somebody's down there. And he's like, huh? What? And then... You get the you get the idea that it's maybe not that big of a deal after all. I mean, it kind of is, but all it is really is that the place got double booked. They both kind of trot down the stairs. They approach the lady, and turns out she's totally normal. But yes, the place was double booked, and it turns out that these um, the lady is actually there with somebody else. Also, um, her husband, I guess, was a friend of. Uh, of Randall's dad. Randall's dad owns the place. So long story short, Randall's there because his father owns the place. These other two are there because they are friends of his. They just The day just ended up getting mixed up and everybody's there at the same time. So after a few awkward uh, pleasantries and introductions, um, people start lightening up a little bit and uh, Randall and Emily offer to leave. However, the couple there who are friends with with the kid's dad are like, no, you know what? There's plenty of room in this place. Why don't we, why don't we just stay? There's no reason for you to, to leave. They, so they, they talk them into it. Her husband turns out to be none other than Jake Weber. That name might not sound familiar, but this guy seems like he's been in a ton of stuff. He's one of these actors that's been, who's bounced around to several other movies and, and TV shows. Most notably, probably, and horror fans, of course, will know this, but the Dawn of the Dead, not the one we did in the show a few weeks ago, but the remake in 2004. 2004 was the Dawn of the Dead remake. He was the the main actor in that movie. He was also in uh, the show Homeland for two seasons, I believe. He played a right winger who came off kind of as a cross between Sean Hannity and Alex Jones, I would say. Two of Adrian's favorite radio hosts, as a matter of fact. Just kidding. But anyway, Jake Weber, he's he's an English actor. Uh, funny thing is about him, it's just like he's one of these actors where it's just like you listen to him. And his voice, for the most part, sounds normal, but something just doesn't sound quite right about that. Or something's off about it, and you just don't quite know what it is. And um, obviously, I mean, he is British, so it's I don't think he's quite perfected that American-sounding accent if that makes sense now we got four characters here in the house and i will say like the the actors are very likable there's really nothing you can complain about with any of them um and they interact well with with each other there's there's great chemistry um 
Emily obviously is very smart. She's highly intelligent. She's in college for biology, I believe. And so she kind of regales the audience with her with her um, knowledge of organisms and that kind of stuff. At the bottom of the ocean, she has a high interest in that. And everybody's just kind of like left scratching their heads saying, wow, very impressive. Like they don't even know how to, to react to it. But nevertheless, like everybody gets along well. But as Emily is talking about organisms and stuff, you see the occasional underwater scenes here and there and close-ups of what possibly looks like some kind of parasitic type of stuff. And that's when you get the first hint that something's going to happen along those lines in this movie and it's it's not going to be good. But before we get to this, there's there's a little bit of partying that goes on at with these four. They They're starting off with wine, but they quickly run out. And then Randall gets the idea, well, how do you two feel about gummies? And Emily's like, what are you crazy? These are your dad's friends. Like, they're much older. They're not going to be interested in that. However, they all four of them end up doing gummies. And it seems to get off to an enchanting night after, after that occurs. As the night goes on, things do not seem to be well. The guy's wife, Jane, it's Mitch and Jane. Jane goes missing at some point, and Mitch starts freaking out because it's very unlike her, and he's looking around for her. Um, Emily's not feeling that well. Randall seems to be holding it together. But a few scenes later, you see Emily pass out on the floor. She does wake up. She's looking around. I think I don't think there's anybody around at that time. Um, she comes up to the bathroom where you see a cracked open door, and she can hear something going on there. Some coughing, probably some vomiting. As she gets closer and closer, suddenly see Mitch's eye in the crack of the door, and he slammed it shut. And she's like, oh, whoops. Um, at that point, it's, it's night, everybody's in bed, and then the next day is like when, when the shit really hits the fan. Nothing is, is as it seems. Emily wakes up. I can't remember if she's by herself or not. I think she is by herself in the bed. And she goes downstairs. And this is a very clever sequence. As she goes downstairs, she comes around that corner at the bottom of the stairs. And wouldn't you know, there's Jane sitting there at the table again by herself. Just like in the beginning of the movie when when Emily first found her. And it's a very well done scene. It's so much like the beginning of the movie. But this time you get the suspicion that... Even though you didn't feel comfortable with her being there in the first place, in the first scene, the second scene, there's way, way more tension because you just get the feel, the way they've built up the suspense here. Something is really not right. And she gets closer and closer. She keeps saying Jane's name. Jane's not responding. Finally, she comes up around in front of her, and you expect to see something. You know how these movies go. If you've seen Cabin Fever, this one kind of reminded me of that. Turns out to be one of these body snatcher type things, really. Or any movie you've seen where there's some kind of like parasitic invasion that's going from person to person. Aliens, that could be one like that. Night of the Creeps. Um, it's along those lines. So I'm not usually a big fan of those kind of movies. But this one, like I said, did... I did find captivating. Um, anyway, she goes up to Jane. Nothing looks horribly wrong at the time, but Jane's personality has taken a 180, and she's a much different person than she was before, just like the way she's reacting. She seems very panicked, very out of sorts. And at some point, she's not really responding to Emily. She just gets out of the chair and runs upstairs, and nobody knows what's going on. 
Emily then decides to go outside to look for Mitch. Now Mitch is missing. Last night it was the other way around. She goes on the beach, kind of sits down, and notices oddly that there's nobody else on the beach anywhere. And she's laying there. I think she falls asleep at some point, and she wakes up, and there's Mitch. So Mitch starts talking to her about a few random things, and it's just the mood of things is very creepy. Even though he seems like he's in a good mood, there's just something going on the way he's speaking to her, which doesn't sound right. And then he stands up, but he says, I'm going to go for a swim. So as you see him, he's walking down to the, where the water is. You have this nice panoramic shot of the beach. It's very blue. It's very beautiful. However, Mitch proceeds to walk into the water. He's walking and walking and walking, and this is becoming very strange. He doesn't seem interested in swimming at all. He's just walking straight ahead. He's just marching right into the water. And suddenly Emily starts screaming. She's like, Mitch, Mitch, what are you doing? He's like so far into the water, his body becomes a speck. And then all you see is the very top of his his head is a speck. And then that disappears. So Emily is like really freaking out at this point. And as she is, she looks down in the sand. This creature, this weird slug, slimy looking creature is right at her feet. And she's stepping in it. And what this did to her foot, it it kind of like knocked her down at first. And then she's looking at her feet. And just from touching that thing, she sees the bottom of her foot all bloody. And there's some kind of worm things inside her foot. Naturally, this makes her go into shock. And she's screaming. And she runs back into the house. She's yelling for her boyfriend. He's nowhere to be found. And then she, uh, she decides that she's going to uh, look around in the cabinet to find some kind of something or other to 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 fix the situation she finds alcohol some kind of rubbing alcohol pours that onto the open wound in her foot <clears throat> she looks at her foot again and and this is so disgusting so disturbing a worm pokes out the bottom of her foot and then goes right back in so she's freaking out she's looking around trying to figure out what to do about this she opens the cabinets and finds some kind of alcohol like rubbing alcohol she pours that on the bottom of her foot, lets out this blood-curdling scream, but apparently that's what she needed. Um, I guess whatever that stuff was, it killed the, the worm. She gets a, a pair of tongs out of the drawer, and she, she, she puts it at her foot. She finds the end of that worm, grabs it, and it's like a foot long. She's pulling it out, and the thing's kind of like still moving around on the floor. So it's pretty disgusting, and she wraps up her foot, but it seems that everything is okay with her, at least at that moment. Now, she's wondering about everybody else. Where's Jane at this point? Where's her boyfriend? So at this point, she's got her foot bandaged up. She goes up the stairs. Emily's looking for Randall. She'd actually sent him back to the house. He, he had actually been with her at the beach initially before she ran into Mitch's. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. And then she sent him back to the house to check on Jane. So the whole time she's like dealing with this worm thing in her foot and attacking that, like nobody else in the house is, is anywhere to be found. So she goes up the stairs. She's looking for either her boyfriend or Jane. And then suddenly her boyfriend is like crawling on the floor and he's like desperately trying to get away from something. And she's very confused by this. She has no clue what's going on. The next moment, 
the door opens up that Jane was staying in, her eyes are bulging out like they look like these they look like pool table balls and her face just has this zombie like look to it and she's crawling on the floor. That reminded me of Cabin Fever quite a bit, like just that type of body decay. Not as silly as Cabin Fever was. But anyway, of course, Emily sees this and runs away in horror. She's She can't get away fast enough. Somehow, Jane is like keeping up with both of them as she's crawling along. She's pretty much dragging herself on the floor and she's keeping up with them. And then she um, pretty much chases them out the door. The two lock the, uh, the, the porch doors behind them and she seems to be contained inside the house for now. It was pretty disturbing. It was a little bit, um, it's very surprising. This movie definitely keeps you guessing. Um, and it's it's very well done. I'm not sure what kind of budget this movie had, but I think it's a first-time director, and the actors don't look very familiar either. But it's all really well done. Um, so here I'm at the point now where it's just like, I don't know if I should even mention any more about it. The problem is, this is the newest movie I've ever discussed on here. Typically, I'm talking about 80s type of stuff, like Blood Beach from 1980. That's what I was going to do. I got led into this 2019 movie. So I don't know what the protocol is exactly for discussing any further about a movie where potential spoilers could happen. So I will probably just leave it there. Um, And I would highly recommend it. It goes right in with the summer theme that I was wanting to do anyway. It was a nice surprise. I I never find new horror movies that I ever want to see. Usually when I watch one, I regret doing it. A pleasant surprise. Highly recommended. So with that, I believe I will wrap up my solo venture here on Not Your Average Horror Show. Definitely different. Hope it was uh, entertaining enough. And hope you'll be back next week where we will see if Adrian's here. I'm not sure. Maybe she'll forget to uh, get on our flight back here. At any rate, thanks for listening. If you want, leave a comment at notyouraveragehorrorshow-a-podcast. See you next time.